Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Guys, welcome to this show that's for you and about you. Those of you that work so hard for your money, you want your money to start working harder for you now. You want that freedom, cash flow, and prosperity today, not 30 or 40 years from now, but right now to live that life that you love with those that you love doing what you love. But guys, so much more importantly, it's about living a life of meaning and impact because as you become financially prosperous, you can create a greater ripple effect in the lives of others. Guys, that is what we're here to do. Thank you for allowing me to create that ripple effect through you. Thank you for binging and sharing and just really just applying this, like not just hearing the word, but doing something about it. Thank you again for those that have even reached out, those that have been you know, reaching out, looking for additional help. Like I love the fact that people have been reaching out saying, hey, Chris, how do I get my money out of prison? How do I get this money working for me? Or Chris, like how do I do this infinite banking stuff, make it work with my real estate investing where they actually double dip on their returns, things like that. Again, appreciate you guys reaching out. You can always do that by going to our website, moneyripples.com. So check that out. Hey guys, quick shout out to our sponsor, American Homeowner Preservation. Hey guys, if you want to make a great rate of return with little money out of pocket, even as little as a hundred bucks and do it while helping other people as well, check these guys out. The website's fundingahp.com. The way they do it is they crowdfund money, people's money together to go and help essentially become the bank. They buy people's mortgages that are defaulting, people that are late on their mortgages. They help them refinance, stay in their home and or sell their home so that they can be in a better financial position. And the cool thing is, is that they pay awesome returns and they pay it monthly. And like I said, you can invest with as little as a hundred bucks. So check them out. Websites, fundingahp.com. That's F-U-N-D-I-N-G-A-H-P.com. Check them out. All right, guys. So I was trying to figure out uh, what to do to talk about. I mean, kind of continuing on from last week, we talked about spenders actually being the majority of Americans. Uh, not, sorry, not spenders. Savers being the majority of Americans. Everybody's believing spenders were the majority, but it's actually savers in truth. And so we talked about that last week. And so I want to continue with that theme where Dave Ramsey, often if you listen to his show, talks about that debt is dumb. Debt is dumb. Cash is king and debt is dumb. You know, I want to talk about that. Debt dumb. And I was trying to come up with my own little cute little slogan to go with that, right? And then what's another double D word you can go with? Like debt is the bomb. And then I was like, okay, that is way out. That's way too far back. That's not cool anymore. And I was like, debt is dope. And I'm like, a little closer, but now I'm still dating myself right now. Like both of these are stupid sayings. And so I'm just going to go with a debt is divine. And I mean divine and not the sense that everybody should just be going into massive debt. But I think of divine as something that's sacred. And with sacredness comes responsibility. It should be something that you really take seriously and you use it wisely. We talk about stewardship on the show. Stewards obviously are looking for ways to make the best use of their money, but they want to be wise with it. So like the saver, they want to be wise. They may want to make good choices, but like the spender, they're willing to do something with it to create more with it. Um, that's the difference. Spenders just blow it and don't really get anything out of it, but they're at least willing to use it. Where savers don't want to use it, but they're willing to at least be smart with it and, so, and they'll think about it. 
Stewards fall right in the middle. They do both. They're actually willing to look at how they can get the biggest bang for their buck. What can they do to get their money working for them? And so when we talk about debt and leveraging debt, and really we're not even just talking about, not just the accounting form of debt, we're talking about using loans. If you're going to be borrowing money, how can you use it wisely? Now, I'm not talking about like borrowing money from life insurance because that's not really like debt, right? I mean, you are leveraging it, but you're leveraging your own cash, essentially. You're, you're borrowing from the insurance company or from a bank, but you've got cash over here still that's collateralizing it. And so we talk about debt as what kind of debt can be divine? How can it be? What's the best kind of debt? And then, of course, from there is how to best use that debt. It's not the same, guys. And it really does depend on what kind of steward are you. So I'll just tell you this, if you're either a spender or a saver, both of these perspectives will make it harder to use debt. If you're a spender, you're going to blow it. You're going to make bad decisions anyways. If you're a saver, you're going to freak out having debt because you've been so brainwashed in believing that debt is evil. I want you just to go back and think about who taught you that. Like who taught you debt was bad? Now you've might have had experiences like, you know, where something painful happened, where maybe there was even a bankruptcy in your past or in your family's past because something happened. I would challenge you to believe that it most likely had nothing to do with massive amounts of debt. Debt might have been the byproduct, but ultimately the probably the real situation was lack of cash flow. You lose a job or you had lack of savings for you know medical bills or something like that. And maybe that put you under. Maybe it was the last recession. And maybe you did go into massive debt just being stupid. And that's possible. You can definitely be dumb with debt, but just understand that debt in and of itself is not dumb. Using debt is just a tool. It's the person that uses it is whether they're dumb or not. That's like saying like, hey, is uh, this pencil you know, deadly? Is it a weapon or is it a, f- a friendly thing? Well, it depends on how you use it. You know, If you're like freaking uh, you know, Steven Seagal or whatever, you're going to find out how to use a pencil to kill somebody. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about like, how do you use this wisely? So what kind of debt is generally okay? It depends again on who you're a steward what kind of steward you are. Because again, if you are a spender or a saver, you're going to mess it up. So you've got to come from a place of stewardship. Here's where it works best is that when you have debt that you can use, especially when there's a payment affixed to it, whatever you're using this money for should create a much better return than what it costs you. Now, this is key because a lot of people will use collateralized debt with 401ks. You know, they'll say, hey, Chris, I decided I was going to borrow 50000 for my 401k. I'm like, and let me guess, the monthly payment's about 900 950 a month? Yeah, exactly. It comes out of every paycheck. Great. What'd you do with it? Well, I bought a real estate property. What's your cash flow? $200 a month. All right. So you just, you're costing yourself 900 a month, but you're only making 200 Yeah. But Chris, though, like still, I'm paying myself back with interest. Yeah, you are technically, but are you really winning? And here's the thing is that if it makes your cash flow tighter, that could be a dangerous thing. If you're already kind of paycheck to paycheck or you don't have a lot of wiggle room or if cash flow gets tighter, you're stuck. You're in trouble because now you've got to somehow figure out how to keep making these payments because they're pulling out of every paycheck. So that's something you got to consider. I almost generally, as a rule of thumb, recommend, I mean, there are some exceptions. As a rule of thumb, I recommend that if you're going to borrow money, make sure that the payment is significantly lower than whatever you're earning. It's got to be significantly lower. You know, so I'll give you an example. Like my first way of leveraging money, I remember uh, I actually cashed out. This is kind of a unique strategy I did. I bought a, a minivan. The, this is after my family started growing. I went to a whopping two kids, but we knew that in the future, we're going to need more room. 
So we bought a minivan and uh, we bought it brand new and uh, we made sure we negotiated it. We found a pretty good deal and compared to say, hey, we can go get this, this van over in Colorado, but we want to buy it from you at this local dealership instead, give us a deal. And so they gave us a deal. I said, great. Now you've given us a deal. I want to get financing for beyond that. And so I got financing. Now I'll tell you, I was young. I didn't have a lot of credit. I actually had bad credit because, you know, I had some recent lates about a, a year or two prior. I went through my own, like when I went to launch out as my own financial advisor, I started going late on some payments because I crippled under that pressure of feeding my family on commission only. So the scarcity set in. And so I had a few months of late payments on some credit cards, you know, just a couple months. Well, that affected my credit score. So they're like, well, we can give you a loan. It's going to be at 18%. It was actually 18.9% to be exact. And you think that's ridiculous. But here's the thing is that I had certain credit cards I was starting to pay down on, right? I was like, wait, if I can get an extra 6,000 bucks, I can pay off some of these credit cards. I was actually able to free up about 700 bucks a month payments I was making. So even though my new my new car payment was $900 a month. It freed up 700 a month, making this brand new vehicle really like a net of 200 bucks a month. So now that cannot be a permanent situation because 18.9% is not great. But I'll tell you, the key is the interest rate didn't matter. It was what did it do to the monthly outgo, the monthly payments? Because as time went on, eventually refinanced it, got a cheaper rate, right? And got the lower payment too. Eventually, like I think within a year, I refinanced it to make it 700 a month. So essentially at that point, it was like a free car payment compared to what I was paying already on those other credit cards and other loans that I had. Um, and I, oh yeah, and I traded in a car too. So I paid off that payment and everything else. So that's why we freed up about 700 a month. Same thing here. You know, it's like, again, what can do the monthly payment? Another example, you know, I remember in 2007, you know, I got my first SBA loan when I launched a business with Garrett Gunderson. You know, we went to business together. He's like, I was like, all right, I'm going to get an SBA loan. And so I did that, right? And I remember it was just like for a measly little 25 grand just to get things off the ground a little bit. We're using mostly uh, bootstrapping on our business. And uh, so as I'm doing that, you know, 25 grand, the monthly payment was $126 a month. Now guys, if you're going into business and you can't make at least $126 a month off of 25 grand, you probably shouldn't be in business. <laughs> you should probably just get a job and make as much money as you possibly can with that job. But in business, you're like, man, if I have 25 grand, I better be making at least one, two, three, four, five grand a month off that money, right? Like I want that money to kick, you know, ideally pay me back within a year. So for me, hey, even though it was like about, I think it was about a 6% interest rate, interest only, didn't matter. I'm like, this is a cheap payment. I'll take it. So that money was great. It was a great debt to have. By the way, I actually finally paid off the SBA loan about five years ago, I think it was, you know, when it finally got to the point where the you know, the cash flow index that I talk about here on the show from time to time, my cash flow index got lower. I went ahead and paid it up. But forever, I just kept it going because it was a great rate, low payment, and I can make more outside of that money. And that's the key thing, guys. It's like when I think like a steward, I always think with this cash, would I be better paying off the loan and freeing up that payment, which is a guaranteed cash flow coming in, but that payment's gone? Or can I make more outside of it? And here's the key. This is especially key, especially when you're dealing with debt is, can I really make more investing this? Not just, is it possible, but will I? Will I really make more than it's costing me? Because if you can't definitively answer that, then I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't consider doing that. That would be a big, big risk and probably a dumb thing to do. So I wouldn't do it. Especially if you're, again, you're, if money is tight, like you're not, you don't have a lot of flexibility of cash flow every month, you've got to be careful. I had somebody asking me that same thing. They're like, hey, if I borrow from my home equity line of credit, and I use that 
to go and invest. How is that, Chris? Now they're looking at just the interest rate. They're saying my, you know, their interest rate was that really low on a HELOC was 3.25%, which is fantastic, by the way, 3.25%. I said, well, that's great. Like, well, so Chris, if ideally I go put my money like in AHP, like you guys heard them advertise or secured investment corporation, right? Or those kind of things where maybe I make 10% a year, then I'm making a, almost a 7% spread, right? I said, that's correct. I said, but the key is what's the payment compared to that? Now with a home equity line of credit, because they have you pay interest only, very easy to calculate. For the most part, if you borrow $100,000, the payment is going to be right of just under 300 bucks a month. Um, I'll even round up and make it 300 bucks a month just for easy round numbers. But if you, of course, invest that money, say you did make 10% on that, that's 10,000 a year, or just over 800 bucks a month. So again, I'm going low on the payment. Just again, to prove a point here, you still make an extra 500 plus dollars a month of cash flow with no money out of pocket, just using the equity that's from your home that's sitting there stagnant. By the way, equity in home makes nothing. But again, if I can make more than what it costs me, I can still pay off that 300 bucks and still have $500 plus left over. That's a good thing. Again, it may not be guaranteed. That's the thing you got to weigh out. Buy an investment property. Yeah, I love it because at least if, and I get a lot of people that they're really scared about using home equity, for example, I'll say, well, great. If you're going to use a home equity, put into another home, put into another like asset, just like your home, put it there. Because if you kept it in your house and the house depreciates, you still lose money. Um, if you put it into another house and it depreciates, you still lose money if that happens to, to be the case, uh, but at least it's not your own house. Uh, still, it doesn't matter. Either way, your balance sheet's the same. You're not in any more debt if you borrow from it to go and put somewhere else, especially if you're buying an asset. Your balance sheet, meaning your assets minus your liabilities, that number remains the same. You're not in any more debt when you borrow money. I'm not talking about credit card money, right? That's unsecured money. That's, you know, you're taking on debt. But if you're using something that's collateral, something that you're borrowing from an asset, that's not debt. That's borrowing from an asset. You're pulling equity out of that asset to go invest somewhere else. Again, ideally that you're going to make much higher money than that, than what it's costing you. Now, that being said, say it was like 300 bucks a month and you go and put in an asset that's making you 300 bucks a month, you break even. You might ask yourself, is that really worth it? Well, I'm only breaking even. And if something goes wrong, now I'm in the hole. Where if you're making a surplus, you're making a profit where it's much above and beyond, it makes more sense. Uh, same thing when I talk about people with using infinite banking, right? Like when you're leveraging it, you know, I showed somebody the other day, we we're calculating numbers and, and they're like, well, what if I have a net return of only 6% on my investment? You know what? It took over a decade for that infinite banking policy to beat out like a, a good returning savings account. You know, it took a good 11, 12 years. And then it started to really supersede it significantly. It used to, it surpassed it quite a bit, but it took a good decade to catch up because there wasn't a whole lot of profit compared to that 5% loan. But I did tell him, I said, hey, if you got it through a bank loan, because if you have over 100,000 saved up inside your life insurance, you can actually borrow from banks right now at 3.25%. I was like, now you're making a bigger profit. Now you can do it faster. You can, you can make that money back faster. But I said, yeah, and that lower interest rate return investment, maybe I wouldn't do that. Maybe I just spend cash for something like that or just find a better investment. You know, find something that pays you more or with better tax advantages. That was the big thing is that she was gonna have to pay taxes on that 10% return. And she's like, her, her tax bracket is pretty high. It's in the highest tax bracket. So that makes a difference. So again, guys, it's always, it is about the numbers, but it's also understanding that perspective. Understand that banks also use debt. If debt were so evil, why do banks have so much of it? 
Understand that banks go over leveraged on their debt. They borrow more than they have in their own possession. They actually literally go into debt. They are upside down on their balance sheet. They show literal debt where there's less assets than liabilities. Why do they do it? Because they know how to play this numbers game. They know about leverage. They know how to make a use. Remember that anytime they take money from you in the savings account, that's debt for them. That's debt. They're paying interest on that money that they pay back to you. You put money in a CD, they're paying interest to you. You don't see them calling you up saying, oh, I got to pay you off early. I do not want to have debt to you in that savings account or in that CD. Do you ever hear a bank do that? No, of course not. Banks want to leverage your money. They want you to put as much as possible and not just put money in their bank account. The other one that's more subtle is with loans because with loans, everybody thinks that they, they're just trying to make money on the interest. But that's the thing. They're not going to make money on the interest anyways. And they make it early in the loan, right? In the loan process. For them, it's about how quickly you pay off that loan. That's why the savers tell you to make biweekly payments on your mortgage, which is not a good idea in, in a, pretty much any case that I've ran. Um, they also tell you to pay it off early. You know, do a 10 or 15-year mortgage, not a 30-year. Well, if they really want an interest longer, notice that the 30-year interest rate is higher than a 15-year mortgage. Why? Now, if they really wanted you to do a 30-year mortgage, they would use them. They would manipulate you with the interest rate. They would say, hey, if you did a 30-year mortgage, we'll give you a break on the interest rate. Do that. We'll make more money compounded over time. But they don't do that, do they? They actually try to incentivize you to pay back more principal because that principal is what allows them to go out and loan more money. And by the way, when they loan more money, legally, they can loan out at least 10 times, depending on where the money's being held, of course. For those of you that are analytical, going to fact check everything, it could be anywhere from like two, five times, 10 times or more. In some of the big banks, they were able to get 40 times the leverage on that, those assets. So every time you pay an extra $1,000 on your mortgage payment or an extra 500 bucks on your car payment, they now have the ability, say it's 10 times, to loan an extra $5,000 or even $10,000 that they can earn interest on. So they want you to pay off your loans as fast as possible, which is why they offer lowest rates on the shorter term loans, because they get their money back in faster that they can turn around and leverage and use and make more interest on. It's again about speed and velocity. That's how a steward thinks, guys. Stewards think about how can I make the best use of this scenario? How can I make use of all the resources available to me and put that into action to make that work for me? That is what they do. Uh, now, I know we can go so many different directions with this, but I want you to understand this key point. It's that debt is divine. It's a very divine responsibility when you use it, but it can be one of the coolest things you can use to help you create freedom faster. And I'll tell you, I've had so many clients where we've done that, where we said, hey, let's get this money out of equity, out of your home. Let's leverage this money to make more for you. Hey, but maybe we'll even refinance the house, get you to a lower payment. So we free up cash flow there. And then we've got cash to play with to make more on top. Uh, recently, I actually had a client where that was the case, where we we're able to free up about 500 to 600 a month by refinancing to a 30-year mortgage, not as he was about a 15, about 15 years left on it got it to a 30-year mortgage, freed up about five or 600 bucks a month, and then got a home equity line of credit that net, even after paying the monthly payment on that home equity line of credit, would be able to make at least another 900 to 1,000 bucks a month. So guys, like that right there, that was like 1,500 a month just using their house to produce for them. In fact, the cool thing is that actually more than paid off their monthly payment. So when so many people are like, oh, I hate that monthly mortgage payment, why don't you get that equity to start paying you so you don't have to worry about that mortgage payment anymore? You ever consider that? Guys, that's the key. That's the thing I want to leave with you is that 
Again, debt is a divine responsibility. If you can use it, it's awesome. It's the bomb. It's dope. But it's anything but dumb. The only way it's dumb is if you do dumb things with it. And that's what we don't want. We want you to do the right things with it to make it work for you. And again, that's always based on what kind of steward are you? If you're not a good steward, your first step is how do you become a better steward? Educate yourself. How do you get that training or that know-how to do things more wisely? Maybe you are a great steward, but could you do it better? Can you get it to amp it up a notch? That's where a lot of you guys have been reaching out to us. And we appreciate that because there's some of you that we can make a big difference in your lives. And we appreciate the ability to help you and serve you and make it worth your while. So again, if you've got questions for your own situation. If you think maybe you could be using something like debt or maybe just money sitting on the sidelines doing nothing, reach out to us. Just go to our website, moneyripples.com. Anyways, guys, that's the key. Remember, it's about stewardship. The better steward you are, the more you can use debt. Just like the parable of talents in the Bible, where those three servants were borrowing money from their master, two of them made more with it, and those are the ones that were rewarded. Look up in the Bible. If you're a Bible reader, you already know this. They use debt. Jesus used debt as an example to be a better steward, to make more with it. That is what I want for you guys as well. Make it a wonderful and prosperous See you later. Hey! Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.